0: This is On Point, a podcast about bringing humanity to leadership communications. I'm your host, Andrea Lakischoff, President of Broadreach Communications. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Bruce Bowser, a highly respected Canadian business leader chairman of AMJ Campbell Van Lines and the author of The Focus Effect, Change Your Work, Change Your Life. A former banker from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Bruce followed his entrepreneurial dreams and joined AMJ over two decades ago. His keen business acumen saw him rise through management where he now serves as chairman and oversees 50 locations across Canada with more than 2,800 staff. Under his leadership, AMJ has grown to an internationally respected brand with over 200 million in sales. Impressive. Bruce is also an avid pilot and supports the Canadian Armed Forces and the Royal Canadian Air Force, where in 2017, he was appointed Honorary Colonel. Bruce, welcome, One Point.
1: Great to be here, thank you.
0: So Bruce, what was your intention in writing this book with Dr. Greg Wells in 2018?
1: Um, great question, Greg and I have known each other for many years, and we're both uh, learners. And so we we were at a conference together over in Zurich. I'm going to say four or five years ago. And and at the conference, one of the speakers um, was Steve Wozniak, co-founder of, of Apple, and I mean one of the most brilliant human beings I've ever met. I, I had the pleasure of having dinner with him that evening. But when he was speaking. Um, during the during the conference, I mean, it, he was just so engaging. You could you could almost see the words forming above his head as he would speak. And so, Greg and I were sitting at the back of the conference room, uh, listening to him speak. And I looked around at the number of people that were on their phones, and I was kind of um, I was disappointed. But I said to Greg afterwards, "His Greg, like, um, was it just me, or did you find uh, Wozniak uh, fascinating?" He said, "No, it wasn't." So, well, like, why were why were everybody you know, sitting around there on their on their phones, texting and, and whatever, and it it struck both of us that um, you know we live in a world of such constant distraction that that even when we're presented with uh, you know a speaker like Steve Wozniak or you know we're in the presence of you know our children or people that we love mm. that we still get drawn to you know to the I call the iPhone. Um, you know, a weapon of mass distraction. It just, uh, you know, it it seems to overpower us. So that was kind of the impetus for, you know, starting a discussion around um, how we could change the world. And, and you know, um, Greg and I are both big thinkers and feel that we can have an impact uh, on the world. So, you know, writing the book wasn't just about, you know, wanting to get a book out there. It was, it was about wanting to address what we saw as an issue around um, people's inability to focus and just that whole addiction to distraction
0: i um I think that's a really great example and um sort of a year and, and a bit into the pandemic, I see that even more so, especially with my children uh with my friends we're we're looking for things to be distracted on, and I love how you've uh, mapped out a process in this book uh to sort of master yourself, master your work, master your life and um, let's start with mastering your morning. And this is the book that I've been looking for. I, I read it from cover to cover, and I've marked it up. And, um, and really, I'm going to use this as a roadmap to mastering my morning, working very productively during the day, and then mastering my evening. So uh, just a comment, I actually followed the routine. Uh, this morning. And I feel great. (laughs) I started with a positive affirmation out loud, which sounded uh, a little bit strange, but it felt good uh, to say that. And I I followed what you said in the book that this is going to be a great day. Um, I did a 25 minute meditation. Uh, I'm doing uh, intermittent fasting right now. So I didn't um, have breakfast. Uh, But I did a 20 minute cardio workout, which I haven't done in weeks and weeks wrote in my journal. And I didn't touch my email or look at a screen uh, until all of that was done. And I feel fantastic. Um, why is mastering your morning so important?
1: I was going to say, I want to be like you. Um, <laughs> well, I, look, I, I think that if you look at, uh, you know, successful people throughout the course of history and, you know, even successful movements. So, you know, one of the things that when Greg and I were doing the research for the book, you know, we looked at uh, you know, Navy SEALs and, and, some of the mm. habits of highly successful, um, high-performing people, and they had a lot of things in common. And you know, I'll start by saying that uh, you know, thank you for following the the book. Um, but you know, what Greg and I try to tell people is, you know, develop what's what works for you. So um, you know, it's not this is not carved in stone. But what is really super important is the power of, of having good, healthy habits. And so. Mm you know for me you know when the pandemic started for example you know, i i really had to get into um, some new habits in the morning so uh, and you know a lot of those habits are around making sure that i start my my day well so i do many of the things that that you do in the morning and that the book says uh, you know I, I i love to get up and you know carve out that quiet time where i can do you know a short meditation you know i'm fortunate i have a uh, an infrared sauna and I, I love my infrared sauna and Uh, Never used it quite as much as I wanted to, but almost without fail for the last 13 or 14 months, Hmm. I'll I'll spend 25 minutes in the infrared sauna. And, you know, that's a place where I can do my meditation. It's a place where I can do my morning journaling. Um, It's a place where I can write out affirmations. But even before I get there, it's like um, I get teased a little bit. But before I leave my bedroom, I say to myself, uh, you know, I'm going to do two things before I leave the bedroom. I'm going to brush my teeth and make the bed. And depending on, on my attitude, uh, one or the other ha- happens first. So if, I'm, if I get up and I'm a little grumpy, I'll brush my teeth first and make the mm-hmm. bed because making the bed is a little more challenging for me than than brushing the teeth necessarily. But, sure. but it's, you know, it's really about um, developing good habits so that, you, you know, t- I think too many people, Andrea, they get up in the morning, they just, they hit the shower, yeah. they, you know, they turn on their, you know, their, their uh, phone, start checking social media, start checking emails. And all of a sudden they're on autopilot and, you know, the day starts churning through and they, you know, they really have had any time to stop to think about, uh, you know, what is your purpose? You know, what are you going to do today? I mean, um, I, I, I also get teased. I'm a, I'm a pilot. And if you don't know how somebody uh, is a pilot, you just wait five minutes and they will tell you.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm
1: not sure. I think that took us (laughs) six minutes, six minutes to get there on this one. But, you know, for pilots, we have these checklists mm-hmm. and, you know, good pilots, I mean, all pilots, are, you know, that are, that are good pilots, um, you know, they won't meander from the checklist. So before you get in, you know, in, in the plane to fly, you've, you've done a walk around you, before hmm. you get to the end of the runaway, you know, where you're going. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, you know, plans for, you know, what speed you take off at, what, you know, uh, what direction you're heading in. And, you know, if we could put that same effort into, Starting our days off, um look. You know, not every day is going to be great, but yeah. But you know, I used to. I, I just have these little tricks. You know what? If I'm walking to my car in the morning and I'm, you know, I'm not quite in the the right groove. You know, I'll start singing mm-hmm. a song that I like or whistling a song that I like. You know, something that gets me set up. Um, you know, for for a good day. And I think that's what, you know, what habits are about. Uh, what good practices are about. You know, we'll talk later. I think about you know, doing the same thing at the end of the day. I mean, you yeah. know, I talk to a lot of people that they just don't sleep well. And it's like, well, I said, tell me about your sleep habits. Well, let's talk
0: about that now. Cause that that's exactly my point, uh, Bruce. So many people talk about your morning routine and how your morning sets you up for your day, but it, it seems as though your evening routine sets you up to have that great day and have that great morning routine. What do you do in the evening?
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, get you know, I grew up a hockey player and, Uh, even my daughters would tell you that their dad's kind of a, I think their line is, if you see your dad, if you see my dad get in a fight with the bear, pray for the bear, like, you know, this big, strong guy. Um, But, you know, at nighttime, I I have a a sleep habit routine, and, you know, it didn't come to me, uh, you know, out of thin air. I, you know, I did some studying on it. Uh, Great book by Matt Walker called Why We Sleep, by the way, gives you some, you know, some really good information around this. But, you know, for me, it's like, I create the right atmosphere. So I, you know, I plan ahead and I, I like to get seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. So, you know, and I, I know if I have an early morning that um, I need to go bed earlier. I know if I've got a, a late evening, I plan to be able to sleep in a, a little longer. So for me, it's not about getting up at a certain hour, you know, even though that can be important for people. For me, it's about getting that seven and a half hours of sleep. And so, you know, if you, if you look at sport, for example, we talk a mm-hmm. lot about sport in our book. You know, good athletes prepare for a game. It just doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't happen by accident. And you know, I think the same happens when you're developing, you know, good sleep habits. So for me, I, you know, I, I get teased. I spray my pillow with lavender spray because, you know, the smell of it um, induces that feeling of, of wanting to get uh, to sleep. I turn off all my devices. Uh, I like my room cold. They say that you know, 68 degrees is a good temperature, so I, I, I keep my my room cold. Unfortunately, I have blackout blinds, so you know it's totally blacked out. And then it's about turning off your devices, right? You know, mm-hmm. getting yourself, um, yeah, you know, cleared. If you can do, you know, a three minute, a five minute meditation. I mean, there. Were, I learned how to meditate. You know, twenty five years ago. Um, I'm going to say sort of the hard way. You know, I worked with a meditation teacher and and you know had to you know, had to go through the, the process of guided meditations and, and learning them. Whereas today, there's so many apps out there, you know, Calm, Headspace, that you can you know, just They're download great. an app. Or, or, you know, quite frankly, if you don't want to download an app and pay the, for the app, just, you know, go on and, and Google, you know, three-minute meditation before you go to sleep or five-minute yeah. meditation, you know, yeah. to start your day off well. And there's so many of them there. So, you know, do a quick meditation, but, you know, get yourself prepped so that um, you're setting yourself up for a good night's rest. And then, you know, for me, I like, I like to read something mindless. So I read a, you know, a, a mystery novel for five or ten minutes before I, I fall asleep. And, um, and it works for me. So, you know, it's developing a good habit. I, I also um, do a hot bath before I, uh, before I go to bed as well.
0: So it sounds like you are really following the principles of peak performance, you're you're really identifying what's important to you, and trying to be as consistent as possible. What do you recommend for uh, perhaps parents of young children, uh, who may feel that they just don't have the time for this? And I know that the whole book is all about being more productive. So you do have time for yourselves. Uh, What what do you recommend for, for them?
1: Well, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, you know there are seasons in your life where it is more challenging. So, you know I accept that uh, you know this can't work for for everybody. I have a my oldest daughter um, has a three month old, and I mean you know I check in with her in the morning and ask her how her sleep was. And, you know I'm I smile when she says the baby only woke up once because I know that you know that the that never sleep days. interrupted. So so there's you know there's seasons and it's not going to work perfectly all the time. So I think you know it's about uh, doing your best. Uh, cutting yourself some slack when it doesn't work, Uh, you know, trying to, you know, to keep those habits in place, regardless of your circumstances. And, you know, I don't sleep perfectly seven nights of the week, but, but, you know, five, six nights of the week, I'll sleep very well. And, you know, when I, when I wake up, it's usually, you know, because I've got something churning in my mind, or, uh, you know, I might have had one glass of wine too much before I went to bed or something. But, you know, it, it, cut yourself slack, and um, it's it's a process. I mean, I get teased, you know, by my daughters when we're we're out at a restaurant and, and I'm on my phone, looking at something on my phone. You know, look, they're quick to point out. Oh, by the way, my dad wrote a mm. book about this. I, I mean, um, we're never we're never gonna, you know, get there, but it's about you know setting yourself up for success.
0: I love that, and it sounds like you are uh, very skilled at setting intentions and. Uh, throughout the whole book, there's a theme of, of being very intentional about your life. Um, tell me how that's helped you.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think if you look at, you know, high performers, and, you know, I strive to be a high performer, always have, uh, you know, from the time I was a teenager, and it, it was about um, emulating people that were successful. So, you know, even as a young businessman, I remember, you know, reading a book one time that said, hey, if you want to be successful hang around the most successful people you can. Uh, yeah. If you want to be a great athlete, hang around the best athletes you can. Mm. If you want to be uh, you know in shape, hang around people that that are in great shape. Creative and so uh, you know, I, I think it's about um, being intentional, you know, in almost all areas. I mean, you, look, you want to have fun, you want to um, you know, you don't want to be too rigid. Mm. But you know, I, I go back to that you know that notion of a, a pilot's checklist. It's a great book written by a pilot called Checklist and and you know, it's really about having uh, intention in your life you know just not letting things happen by by chance um, I, you know i've wrote a second book that I'll, I'll publish someday the manuscript sits around uh, mm. because i'm not totally happy with it yet but but in, in that book you know I, I write about you know living the life you'd want to live again and to do that you really have to be intentional i, I so many people just they go through life on autopilot you know they're they're going to wait until the kids grow, grow up they're going to yeah. wait until they retire they're going to wait yeah. until they have more money they're going to wait until this yeah. is like you know, the best time to plant a tree, I think um, the Chinese proverb is 100 years ago. And the next best time to plant a tree is right now, is right now. So,
0: yeah, I love that. Uh, how about positive self-talk? There, there's a lot of reference to that in this book. And I know athletes adopt that. And I, I struggle with that. I, I can very easily sort of get down a, a negative sort of rabbit hole. Um, and I've never really adopted that. How, how do you how do you adopt and use positive self-talk?
1: Well, I mean, I you know I like to think that throughout you know the course of my uh, my personal and business career that you know I've talked myself into things that um, that I probably had no right uh, being being into, um, and so you know, I'm a huge fan of positive talk. I'm also a huge fan of, of you know trying to get negative chatter out of your mind, and yeah. uh, you know so I've developed you know habits over the years of you know when I find myself going down that rabbit hole. Um, or I find myself you know ruminating on negative thoughts, I have some go to thoughts I mean you know it, everybody has their own practices, but for me, you know one of my practices is I just have go to thoughts, so you know when my daughters were uh you know three and five we used to we used to vacation in the summertime up at our cottage in Collingwood, and I would take them to the park and I can remember my um my uh, oldest daughter at the time, she would get the greatest joy out of when I push her in a swing, um, kicking me with her feet in the chest and I would pretend I was falling backwards and she'd just roar in laughter. So for me, that's one of my go to thoughts. When I'm you know when, I, when mm-hmm. my mind is churning with negative thoughts or I'm anxious about something, you know, I, I I go back to that thought or I go to a thought of walking on the beach. You know, some just I tell people, create two or three go to thoughts that you can use to interrupt that um you know the rabbit hole of negative thoughts. And uh, you know, on the positive thought notion it's like you know, I really do think that, you know, a lot of of high-performing people, um, a lot of people that, um, you know, succeed in whatever it is they're doing, I mean, they see it. Um, and athletes, again, are a good example. They see that before they even do it, right? So you hear a lot of athletes talk about, you know, they practice mm. in their mind what yeah. they're going to do. But, I mean, that's the notion of a positive thought. It's like when you start your day off, um, you know, think positive thoughts.
0: That's very powerful. I, I love that. And I've written that down and I'm going to create my uh, two to three go-to thoughts. Um, okay, so let's switch over to one of my favorite topics, uh, healthy eating and how power fuel makes for a more productive mind. Um, so how is food uh, a key factor to being focused and productive at work?
1: Well, I mean, you know, with the power of Google, you can, you know, you can Google um, you know, just how important eating properly is, uh, by the way, I'm like you, I, I've, I've done intermittent fasting for several years now. And, um, you know, for me, it works for some people, you know, they, they want that breakfast. Um, I mm. used to be a huge breakfast person. Um, you know, I switched over to intermittent fasting. Um, it's about trying things that work for you. So for me, that works well. Plus, you know, I'm a little lazy. I, I, am not great at cooking. Um, the pandemic has not helped that a whole lot, by the way. <laughs>
0: I've learned how to cook during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I've tried, and um, I'd be um, less than honest if I said I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's, it's a necessity, but and I travel a lot, you know, during normal times, and so for me, you know, it, it was about, and always, is, it, it always has been about, you know, trying to uh, trying to eat well. So I try to, you know, again, do what works well for you in terms of your own uh, healthy habits. But I, I like to. Um, I like to keep my in my uh, diet like 60, 70 percent vegan. So, uh, you know, when I was traveling, I, I could order food that was you know that was that was vegan, and mm-hmm. maybe two or three times a week I would have meat, chicken, or fish. Um, I wasn't a big egg guy, but um, you know, lots of controversy around that. But but I think you know, looking at um, at at healthy foods, healthy snacks, staying away from sugar. Sugar is you know yeah. just so poison, and um, you know being, it really is. It's it's you know it, I I sit on some boards and I remember sitting on a board um, five or six years ago and we we're talking about governance and I had had lunch the day before with the president of this company mm. and he ordered like a cheeseburger and French fries and mm. he, you know, he wasn't in great shape and I'm thinking to myself look, there's no way he can go back to the office and be high performing after you know eating a cheeseburger and French Agreed. fries uh, so. You know, studies show that like, you know you go to Google studies. You know, studies show that um, you know those insulin spikes you know slow you down. They give you brain fog. They you know they it it has a huge impact in your ability to to be high performing. Eating right.
0: Agreed. Um, agreed. And um, that could be a whole other episode on healthy eating and and how um, really with just a few small changes, people can be just so much more focused um and and productive, and have more time on their hands um, yeah,
1: greg great by the way uh you know podcasts and writes a lot about healthy eating he's been uh, he's been on a bit of a a run for the last couple of months on suggesting healthy food, so you know I might point people to greg wells's website and follow his
0: podcast on. is great, and I get his weekly emails they're they're fantastic i'd i'd highly recommend that and uh my go to uh, is uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, and yeah, it's not just sure. healthy eating; it's truly about um, leading a healthy life. Uh, yeah. For anyone who is interested, it is um, remarkable, yeah. and that it'll change your life.
1: Wait, and, and you know, Mark embraces this whole notion of, of he calls it, you know, we call it functional medicine now, which yeah. is you know looking at the whole um, yeah. body system and mind system, the interconnectivity between them. And when you realize, it, I think we all do, that we, you know, when you when you eat poorly. It makes you sluggish. And yeah. so, you know, when you can, you know, put some effort and energy, again, we're not gonna be perfect, but some, put some effort and energy into, you know, planning to make sure that you do eat properly and, you know, avoiding snacks. I mean, I know that, um, you know, if my cupboards have chocolate in it, I'm gonna eat it. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, especially if I get a glass of red wine in my hand and, and I can find chocolate, I'm gonna eat it. So I just, I, you know, I really try not to have it um, in the house or around me. You know, the same goes for, you know, other unhealthy snacks. It's just, uh, you know, keep the temptation away.
0: That's great advice. Okay, let's jump back to the book. I could talk about Dr. Mark Hyman all day, but let's jump back to the book and uh, let's talk about Robin Sharma's 90-91 rule. How can this help someone hone in on their goals with clarity and purpose?
1: I, you know, whether it's 90-91, um, whatever, whatever it is, it's it's coming up with a practice um, that, that works best for you. Um, you know, I, I have my own um, you know, sort of practices that I use. You know, I, you know, I like uh, blocking off times. I like, uh, you know, creating um, learning times where you know where I can read without interruption. Um, you know, for me, I-, I used to exercise early in the mornings. Uh, you know, now I've got, especially during COVID, I've got more comfortable with you know exercising. I mean, I exercise every day, but you know, um, it doesn't have to be in the morning. So it's. I think it's more about you know, creating consistent practices where, you know, you say to yourself, I'm not going to go two days without exercising, or, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure that I, I carve out, you know, the right time in my calendars to, you know, to read Uh, a a lot of people, you know, I start off the conversation. I think about talking about, you know, reading books. Uh, A lot of people, they they say over the age of 40, um, haven't read a book since college. I mean, you know, we just, we need to carve out those, those times to, to do those things.
0: Agreed. I, uh, I am guilty of that. Not of that. uh, Exactly. I have a whole library of books, but I will delve into them and then I will lose my focus and go on to the next one. So um, I think I mentioned to you before we, we started, this is the first book I've read in a very long time. And it's really just motivated me to uh, hone my focus because I have uh, like I said a whole library of beautiful books that I would love to read so I, uh, I I'm with you there and I get that
1: and, and I think it's about setting that up right it's um, you know part of the reason we don't read um, is because we are so inundated over inundated with information that um, you know our minds have just got into a steady churn and again you know what I tell people is just carve out the time so if you, you know if you look at my calendar and and again, you know, it's not so much about me; it's about habits I've learned. But I actually, you know, put times in my in my week, so I try to block off, you know, three to four times um, where I'm I'm just sitting down and reading. And, and, you know, this would be a good example doing a podcast with you. You know, I send a quick note out to my daughters because if they can't get hold of me, um, they think the world's coming to an end. Uh, and I say hey, I'm offline uh, from you know, from ten o'clock till twelve o'clock. If you need me, reach out to my assistant. Just, just so people know, but it's about creating that that space where, yeah, you know, you turn off all notifications. Um, I bought this cool little um, sand timer that's a thirty minute timer that uh, I, I like to use a lot. So, you know, I'll I'll flip that over, read for thirty minutes, um, and then get up and and move a little bit. I love that. Yeah.
0: That's a great idea. And I also think that the time of day, and, and you and Greg talk about this in the book, that you really need to know the right time of the day to focus in on your uh, power work, for example. But I think that it could apply to reading as well. I leave reading. So, so here's, I'm, I'm actually uh, realizing what I've been doing. I leave my reading to the evening. And typically, I'm exhausted by the end of the day. And I want to spend time with my kids. And by the time I'm done that, there's I have nothing left. So I think that carving out time, either first thing in the morning, which I've been doing the last few days to to read your book, or you know during the day, would be a much more productive way of actually getting through books.
1: And for sure, and I saw something recently, uh, that kind of struck me as being quite relevant. But it was, it, it was um, a presentation on um, your energy levels, and it said, you know that. Our energy levels are like the, you know, the battery in an iPhone. You know, when you get up in the morning, your phone's been charging all night, mm. uh, the battery's full. You know, as, as the day goes through, the battery runs down. So, you know, I think it doesn't have to apply to everybody, but for me, for sure, you know, and as you just said, you know, by the end of the day, your battery's run down. So, you know, why would you save, um, you know, learning time, which I think, you yeah. know, is one of the, you know, the greatest things we can do is uh, always Agreed. be curious um, you know, because that feeds uh, high performance, you know, that. some great books out there that have shown that, you know, to get into a state of flow, which is that high-performing state, Mm -hmm. you know, you want triggers like curiosity, passion. And, you know, to do your best work, you don't want to wait until your batteries run down. So, you know, for me, I I try to make my reading times at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, I also try to be strategic. If I'm going to, um, you know, an appointment somewhere and I get there early, I will, you know, shut things down. I keep my, you know, a book with me or sometimes I listen to audio books and just take that time to, you know, to to read and, um, and, or listen to a book.
0: I think that's great. And that feeds into, uh, what you, you advocate for is really to having some rest and recovery and having a little bit of downtime, um, which is great. And you mentioned the state of flow. Um, I read that it's possible, uh, to get there through emotions that you can be very deliberate in terms of getting into a flow state. How, how do you do that?
1: Well, um, th- there's a great author, Steve Kotler, who's written probably, you know, some of the best books on flow. He wrote a book, uh, I think his first book was called The Rise of Superman, another book called Stealing Fire. And a, and a third book, his newest book that I just finished reading is called The Art of Impossible. And it's all about uh, what are the things that you can do to put you in that uh, state of flow. And as much as it is about the things you can do, and we can talk about that, it's also about the things that, um, that you need to be aware of that kill flow. So for example, you know, multitasking, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of us grew up thinking that, you know, multitasking was the way to do things. And yeah. you know, I was as bad as everybody else. I just thought I could do like eight things at the same time. Yeah. Multitasking actually kills flow. Uh, it, when I try to explain flow to people, I say, it's like when you are, um, so I, I use sports cause I, you know, I, I did a lot in sport, but it doesn't just have to be that. But we're, you know, in sport, when I was playing hockey and, um, I knew when I was in a state of flow that, you know, things would slow down, you know, you got clearer, it was like, you know, time kind of stood still, an hour went by like nothing. Well, there, there were, in his latest book, The Art of Impossible, um, Cutler talks about all of these triggers that actually will help you, you know, create that state, and, you know, the triggers are, uh, you know, not having distractions, so turning everything off, um, he, it, uh, now you can get me started in this book, but he just he really uh, hones in on things that you can do to help um, to help you get into that that state, and he and he points out that it's you know it's also um, a biological thing. So when you start to do these things, um, you know your body produces um, you know serotonin, endorphins, oxytocin, all of these healthy um, um, hormones that you know, biologically change you and help you get into this, uh, this state of flow. So for me, it's, it's, it's about removing distractions is I think one of the key things to getting in in a state of flow, you know, carving out uh, the time, uh, you know, meditation for sure, you know, clearing your mind before you start something um, and then, you know, preparing for it, giving yourself, you know, 60, 90, 120 minutes to do something.
0: And, you know, we talk about distractions, and um, I read in the book that only 5% of employees say that they are constantly focused at work. Um, what What is the true cost of that distraction to businesses?
1: Well, when we did our, our study, I think we, we talk a bit about it in the book uh, at, at A.M.J. Campbell, um, and you carved out, you know, the amount of time that people were spending, you know, distracted on some form of social media, um, you know, you really got down to where, you know, people were doing less than four hours of, of work in an eight or nine hour day. And, you know, so our goal wasn't to, you know, to get people to necessarily do, um, you know, eight or nine hours of work. It was to get them to do meaningful work during, um, you know, a five or six hour period. And so I'm a huge fan, by the way, of moving away from this traditional eight hour work day and, you know, really uh, letting people perform with different metrics, you know, where it doesn't have to be, you're know, tied to a desk from eight to nine, and we're seeing that a lot of people talk about during the pandemic, where you know people are able to do uh, you know do good work in shorter periods of time. But but I think it's like um, you know the cost of distraction is. I use the example, of, you know, if I'm sitting on a park bench reading a book, and you come along and say, "Hey, Bruce, how are you?" and we stop and we chat for a minute. Yeah. When you leave, I go back into that um, you know into reading the book. It's called Attention Residue. I don't go back to the line that I was at. I, you know, sometimes I got to go back, you know, two or three paragraphs. Sometimes even a, a chapter back to get back into it. And the same happens in the workplace when you're, you know, when you're working on a project, whatever it is, you know, whether you're writing an email, whether you're doing a report, and all of a sudden you stop to check your text or your social medias or, I mean, you know, something that lit up on your computer, read another email. When you go back into whatever it was is you're working on, that um, attention residue. Um, you know, can be as much as, you know, 50% of of the time that it took you to get to that place in the first place.
0: And people don't realize that. And, it, it, you know, we, we had an, an open office environment when we were at the office, we still do, but no one's there. And um, we all learned together that distractions really do cost you time. And it's that productivity. And so um, I would highly encourage companies to Look at what they can do. What did you do at AMJ Campbell uh, to minimize distractions?
1: So when we when we began the the project we did at AMJ, which was really about taking a we thought it was an eight hour workday and condensing it down into a four or five hour workday, we began by saying to you know to employees, hey, look, we're going to um, allow you to work between the hours. Certain employees, by the way, between the hours of seven a.m. and seven p.m. So people that weren't customer centric, for example, you know, the accounting administration department said, we'll allow you to work between these hours. What we want you to do is work five hours. So, you know, we'll condense the five hours um, and, you know, you decide when you want to come, when you want to leave. If you need to take your children to school, pick them up, whatever you have that flexibility. All we're asking is that during that five hours that you turn your phone off and you're not distracted. We thought that would be, you know, everybody jump at that. Uh, we were shocked to find out that you know, most of our employees said, whoa, 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 um, you cannot ask me to turn off my phone. That's not even constitutional. It was so like um, people did not <laughs> want to. Um, so we kind of had to back it up a little bit. And Greg and I joked about the fact that you know, we, we actually treated it a bit as as that 12-step program. Um, and and our, in our book, I think we talk about a 12-week program where the first part of it was just creating some awareness around how addicted we are to distraction you know, the, and Greg is great at this in terms of, you know, the science of, you know, you get a shot of dopamine every time you look at a text, you get a shot of dopamine every yep. time you, you know, you respond to you know some sort of alert. Uh, so, you know, to, to expect people just to go from zero to or from 100 to zero overnight uh, wasn't going to work for us. So the first part of it was getting them a- a- aware of the fact that, you know, they're constantly distracted, and then move them towards uh, creating an environment where, uh, you know, they so we do, I'm big on things like batching, for example, uh, you know if you're if you're doing 45 minutes, so we do our time studies. If an employee's doing 45 minutes of email a day on average, let's break that into three segments. So when they get in the morning, let's do you know 15 or 18 minutes of checking on emails that came in overnight. You know, maybe at one o'clock we check emails again, and then before we leave it, at the end of the day we check emails. Um, but for the rest of the time, uh, turn you know turn Wi-Fi off. It's you know we're we're in the moving and transportation business we're not we're not in the business saving lives, so we don't need that you know that constant um, connectivity and as people get used to that um, you know what we found is uh, you know they were they were finding themselves feeling healthier mm-hmm. uh, we were encouraging them you know on their breaks to go for a walk um, you know they weren't feeling that constant need to you know to look at their phones and they say that the average person by the way spends something like um 60 hours a year just looking at their phone to see if there's a message, not reading it, just looking to see if there's a message. You know, I've been uh, guilty of that in the past. I fix that by just turning off all my notifications. So I decided a couple of years ago that um, I was going to control my phone.
0: I've done that too. It's and, made a huge difference. Yeah,
1: and it, I mean, it, but you know, at first it was like unsettling. It was like, you know, i look at my phone and there's no notifications. And I was like, nobody wants me. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, what I came to appreciate was, I could decide when to check yes. my phone, and look, I still check it frequently, um, but it didn't control me. So I think it's yeah. you know, a lot of it has to do with you know creating the environment where you're the one in control. Um, you know, creating an environment in the workplace where, I mean, and you know, it has changed so much, obviously, in the last 13 to 14 months. But creating an environment where you know people aren't always turned on. I mean, yeah. you know, I was, I, I write about this in the book that. You know, I was the worst. I would get in an airplane because I travel a lot and I get in an airplane. I would use that as my catch-up time. So I would, you know, maybe write 30, 40, 50, 60 emails. Sure. And when I would land and connect to Wi-Fi, those emails would just spray out everywhere. Uh, I didn't realize that, you know, people were getting them, you know, during the mail times because of time changes. And, you know, one of the things we did when we started the study, we put a policy in place where we said no emails before 6 a.m., after 6 p.m. or on the weekends, people thought I was crazy. They're like, you're going to go out of business. I'm like, um, no, we're, you know, we have a 24-7 customer service line. If people need, you know, need to, to reach us, I would have a you know, message at the end of my email that would say, you know, AMJ has adopted a work-life balance program. Uh, no, we're not sending or receiving emails before 6 a.m., after 6 a.m. or on the weekends. If you're a customer and you need to reach me, please call me on my cell phone. Uh, happy to take your call. But you and I know nobody calls you because it's not urgent, right?
0: It's not urgent. And I have to say, in all the years I've been in business, uh, your company is the only one that I've ever seen uh, a message like that on. So kudos to you and kudos for pioneering this. Thank you. Um, and so my question to you is what you've just described in terms of what you've done uh, at amj campbell is, is really advocating for employees to have great lives versus focusing on the bottom line uh, which i think is quite rare are there any other companies out there like this that are willing to implement shorter work days a more balanced lifestyle and a healthier environment because that's something that you know i've read articles on but but truly haven't seen out there
1: I, you know i do think they are I'm a, look i'm i'm an optimist um, andrea and i think that you know out of things like covid uh you know come new awarenesses and and you know one of the things that i think it has taught a lot of people is that you don't have to have an employee sitting under your constant glare to mm-hmm. know that they're being productive agreed and you know just as importantly if you know if good leaders can understand that uh, you know when they've got their employees turned on 24/7 um, they are creating an an unhealthy environment you, you know mm-hmm. it just all sorts of studies show that Uh, you know, people that are on 24-7, that are, you know, constantly checking emails, that are, um, you know, just never shutting it down. They're not, they can't be high-performing people. They just, you know, it doesn't mix. So, you know, the more that companies, and by the way, I think that, um, you know, the the newer companies, uh, you know, a lot of the big, uh, you know, companies, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks and the, a lot of the startup tech companies that are doing extremely well, they've embraced this notion of, um, you know, letting people have what I call work-life balance, where okay. you know they're not turned on all the time, um, you know, where they have you know free time to you know to create, to think, and to study and to read. Uh, they actually there's a reason these companies are successful. I mean, For sure, I, I think it's the you know it's the older generation, of, uh, I'm. I'm hard on lawyers, but, you know, I, I talk about, you know, these law offices where they, yep. my oldest daughter's a lawyer, and it drove me crazy when she was a student and was doing her, her summer placements. They would just work, uh, you know, they would work them like from you know, early in the morning to late at night, weekends, no time yep. off. And I remember yep. talking to a couple of the senior partners at one of these law firms. And I say, like, why do you, why do you guys do this? And by the way, it's, uh, it can be guys and gals in these older yep. firms, but why of do course. you do this? And I would always get the same two answers. And, uh, you'll know what they are as soon as i yeah. say them you know the first answer was well that's how we, that's how we see what they're made out of i'm thinking you know bs i mean you're, yeah. you're a law firm get over yourself um you know we're not we're not training special ops people here we're not saving lives um you know i used to call that hazing in sports we, yeah. we called that hazing sure. and we did away with hazing uh, sure. because it wasn't healthy so um, you know, and we stopped making doctors work, you know, twenty-four-seven shifts because we found it wasn't healthy for them, and certainly wasn't healthy for patients. And then this, the um, the second answer, what do you think it was? Uh, because it, if it was good enough for us, it's good enough for them. Totally, it was like <laughs> I had to do that. Well, um, you know, again, that's that's just another form of hazing as well. There's, you know, right, it, it's nonsensical. Whereas if you look at some of these, you know, very high performing. Uh, incredibly fast-growing, successful companies, mm-hmm. um, they get the notion that a healthy, happy employee they do. performs at a much higher level, is going to stay with you longer, uh, you know, has all these you know, high-performing attributes that you don't get um, in that uh, environment where you know, somebody's constantly uh, on top of you or you know, measuring everything you do by the number of hours that you actually spend doing them. And, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the good things that's come out of COVID is that, you know, we realize that, you know, work has gone on and in many ways work has mm-hmm. got better. I mean, look, I know that there's challenges with, you know, working from home and we could have that whole discussion about, you know, what is the right balance of that? What will it look like post uh, COVID? But the, you know, the, the good thing that's come out of it is I think a lot of companies have realized that their employees can have a life. You yeah. Know, but you don't have to be spending three hours a day commuting to and from work um, and, and you know, losing all of that balance.
0: It's really been a silver lining uh, for so many people who don't have to spend two plus hours a day commuting and can spend more time with, with their kids. I, for example, used to spend uh, two, sometimes two and a half hours commuting sort of back and forth, um, and I now have time to hang out with my kids and play with my kids and, and comfortably and easily make dinner for my kids. And it's, it's really changed the way our household runs.
1: It's a good thing. It's been
0: great. So Bruce, my final question for you is, um, you know, th- this book seems to be um, focused on creating a world where employees are um, less distracted and leading healthier lives. Um, why is that important to you?
1: I I, you know, I think just from a, a humanity perspective, that's what you want for your employees. You know, good leaders mm. should want their employees to be, you know, well-balanced, healthy um, employees. You know, from a, a financial perspective, you know, I think all of these studies show that, uh, you know, that's how you can create higher performing, more loyal um, employees that, you know, that that won't leave you, that aren't looking for mm-hmm. another place to go. You know, I think, again, you know, coming out of covid a lot of employees have realized, you know, they they don't want to go back to where they were working before. They want to look for something different because they've had a taste of what, you know, balance can look like. And you know, as as good leaders, I think that's what we should want for our employees, uh, that they have, you know, a healthy life. That you know that there's there's something that happens, you know, after the workday, that is you know is important to their well being. And you know, certainly, you know, for, for all the time that I was running AMJ and in my previous career as a banker you know that that really is what I wanted for our employees was that, was that they you know, were healthy that they had some balance in their lives um, and that it wasn't just all about um, work and when we did that we found that you know, we actually created higher performing employees
0: Wonderful Bruce, thank you for such a wonderful discussion and thank you for this book The Focus Effect, Change Your Work, Change Your Life uh, I'd highly recommend it uh, I really do think this will, this book will change my life. And uh, Bruce, I'll, I'll get back to you on how that actually is, is going in a month or two. But it's, thank you it's, very it's, it's much. It's a
1: process. To, um, thank you. It um, was great talking. But it. it's, you know, I, I, I like to end by telling people it's, it's a process. Sure. Go easy on yourself. You know, and, you know make little 1% and 2% changes at a time. Greg's big on this as well. You know, just you know 1% a month. Adds up to twelve percent a year. So you know, don't start by trying to you know, dive into everything. Understand that you know distraction really has become an addiction for a lot of us. That you know there is yeah. a physical uh, reaction you know, where you get this shot of dopamine. So you know go easy. And then the last thing I you know I like to tell people, and Greg and I uh, talk about this in one of our um, one of our classes, is because we spend so much time on our phone. If you forget nothing else, I tell folks like. When you're on your phone and you're with people, whether you're in a meeting, whether you're, um, you know, having dinner with loved ones, whether mm-hmm. you're playing with a child, when you're on that phone, what you're really saying to the person that you're with is that whatever's on my phone is more important than you. And I don't think um, any of us really mean that, but that's what um, you know. That to me, that's been a, a wake-up call. Is when I'm on that phone, if I'm playing with my granddaughter, if I'm you know having dinner with my daughters, and I'm on my phone or I find myself on my phone, I try to you know, to use that as a grounding tool that says, uh, I do not want the people I'm around to think that whatever's on that phone is more important than them.
0: I love that. A beautiful way to end the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. This podcast was produced by Broadreach Communications. I'm Andrea Lekashov, and thanks for listening. For show notes and additional resources, visit brpr.ca forward slash podcast.